us for another week. We hope again this week that we will encourage you and that we will prepare you and that we'll bring you hope in these last days in which we live through this time together and through the opening of God's Word. So we hope that you're in a space now where you can have your Bible open. If you don't, don't worry, I'll, I'll be reading it to you. But uh, if you do have it, open it up now and, and, uh, and look with us at uh, what God has to say to us. So last week we looked at the believer's blessed hope. And that is the, the promise that Jesus made to us. That although he's left us, his promise to uh, come back, to re- that is to return, to receive us unto himself into the clouds, to meet him in the air. That is us being the believers uh, throughout the church age from the time of the resurrection until the time that he comes. This is our blessed hope that he will come, that he will receive us and that he will take us from this earth to heaven. That is what is what he promised us in John chapter 14. Paul fleshed that out a little bit more in 1 Thessalonians 4 and then 1 Corinthians 15. Now last week I very intentionally didn't mention the word rapture. And that is because that word rapture for whatever reason has become somewhat controversial. But uh, the rapture, and we'll, we'll get into explaining uh, that term in a, in a little while, is essentially what we discussed last week. It is our blessed and living hope that we press towards, that we eagerly wait, and that is the return of our Saviour to come and pick us up and to take us to the Father's house. And many people call this event the rapture. That's it. It is the moment that we will be caught up with other believers to meet the Lord in the air and go back with him to the Father's house. It is that very moment that Jesus will call his ambassadors home. That's you and me. And it is a very biblical event as we we looked at last week. But this is the event that many people will term the rapture and what I would term the rapture. Now, as, as you know, and as we've shared, that one of our main goals for this podcast is to bring you hope, especially in these days in which we live. Now, what better way to do this, first of all, than to open the Word together? Man, how much hope does the Word of God bring us every time we open it? But even more than that, uh, we, we are right now sharing with you the fact and the truth of and the evidence for our blessed and living hope, and that is the rapture of the church. And so as we do that and as we look at that together and as we encourage you with the imminency of this event, that is the fact that it could happen at any moment, uh, that is that we will soon, praise God, be with our Lord and Saviour in heaven. What an incredible gift and comfort and hope that this is. So my prayer is that as we continue down this path, as we continue to dive into God's Word and we explore what it is that our blessed hope is, the rapture of the church, what it looks like, when it will happen, how it will happen, the evidence for its happening, 
we hope that it will be a real comfort and a blessing and a joy and a hope for you in these times. So over the next kind of month or two, we, uh, before we get into, we're, we're moving towards the, the book of Revelation, but my hope is that we will open the scripture and show you evidence that first of all affirms to you the truth of this event that we call the rapture, that is our blessed hope, and basically the biblical need for it. But more than that, we, we hope and pray that we will, through the Bible and through showing you evidence from Scripture, that we will affirm the imminent timing of this event. That is that this event, the rapture of the church, the gathering of the saints unto Jesus in the air to then move on to the Father's house, that this could happen at any moment. could happen tonight. might not. could happen tomorrow, in a week's time, in a month's time, in a year's time, in 10 years' time, in 100 years' time. We don't know. But the Bible teaches us that it could happen at any moment and in fact is the next prophetic thing to take place in God's prophetic timeline or God's end times timeline. It's the next thing to happen. There's nothing biblically that needs to happen now before this event takes place. So we're going to continue in this journey together and we are going to take a look today at rapture in scriptures. That is looking at the word rapture in scriptures, in the scripture, but also looking at different raptures that have taken place or that are prophesied to take place uh, being described in scripture. So we're looking at raptures in scripture today. Now, who of you that are listening now thinks that the, the word rapture is not actually in the Bible? Okay, so probably a few of you, and don't ask me how I know that there are a few of you, but probably a few of you think that. Well, first of all, I just want to say this. Even if the word rapture wasn't in the Bible, even if it wasn't in there, does that mean that it's not a biblical doctrine? Does it mean that just because the word is not there, that it's not a biblical doctrine. And some of you probably would answer that with yes. Well, if the word's not there, if it doesn't say it, then it's not a biblical doctrine. Okay, well, what about the Trinity? Is the doctrine of the Trinity a biblical doctrine? I guarantee you that the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the doctrine of the Trinity is absolutely taught in Scripture and is an essential part of our faith, that is the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. And that's an incredibly uh, challenging doctrine to describe, but interesting that the word Trinity is, is not actually in Scripture, um, but simply is the title or the term that we use to refer to that doctrine, that God is one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, each one being completely God and completely distinct from the other. So absolutely that's a biblical doctrine, even though that word is not written in Scripture. So from that basis and with that precedent, even if the word rapture wasn't in the Bible or isn't in the Bible, that does not 
it's not enough evidence for us to say, well, that's, that therefore proves that it's not a biblical doctrine. That said, you'd be glad to know that the word rapture is in fact in Scripture. Where? I'm glad you asked. Okay, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. I'm going to read it to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now that was from a passage that we looked at last week. Did you catch where the word rapture was in that verse? Probably not, because I didn't actually say it. But it's there. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now those words caught up is the he, sorry, the Greek word hapazo. Hapazo is the Greek word that is used and is translated in the English Bible in this passage, in this verse, to, um, to be caught up. So that's the English translation of the word hapazo. means caught up. Now, if I was reading uh, an Italian Bible, or, sorry, the, a Latin Bible, is that the same? Not entirely sure. Anyway, if I was reading a Latin Bible, uh, then that, uh, those words, instead of being caught up, or instead of being hapazo in the original Greek, it would be translated as rapio or rapturo. Now that word rapturo is where we get the English word or title rapture. Rapturo, rapture. So, hapazo in the Greek, rapturo in Latin, and rapture in English. And what does that mean? What does that word mean? It means to be carried away, to seize or to snatch away from one location to another location. To carry off by force is what this word harpazo or rapturo or rapture means in scripture. To be caught up, to be carried away, to be seized from one place to another, to be carried off by force. Now, interestingly, this is not the only place that we find this word. But hopefully you can understand now that this is where the word rapture comes from. Just like we get the millennium, as in the millennial kingdom, from the reference to a thousand years in uh, Revelation 20, we get the word rapture from the Latin word rapturo, which in the Greek is harpazo, and it simply means to catch away, to snatch by force, to remove from one location to another. Now, this word harpazo is used in the original Greek in 13 places in the New Testament. 13 times is it used in seven books of the New Testament. I'm going to work through them with you and I hope and pray that you'll be able to grasp a bit more, a deeper understanding of what this word means and therefore what it's referring to of the context, in the context of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. First of all, turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11, verse 12. Matthew eleven twelve, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, 
the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now those words, take it by force, is harpazo, rapturo, take it by force. Matthew 13, 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Snatches away is that word harpazo. Now in the Gospel of John, John chapter 6, verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. To take him by force, again, is that word harpazo. John chapter 10, verse 12. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. That word catches here is the word in Greek, harpazo. Now John 10 verses 28 and 29, we read this word twice. 28 and 29, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Harpazo, verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. How cool is that? First of all, this is a side note, but no one is able to seize us by force in any way shape or form to snatch us to carry us away by force from one place to another that is from the hands of god no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand no one is able to take us out of the hands of god into any other place our salvation is secure it's another doctrine and another for another day our eternal security but no one is able to snatch us by force out of our Father's hands. Then we find in Acts chapter 8, verse 39, I love this. This is speaking of uh, Philip when he's preaching to the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts chapter 8, 39. They've just stopped the, uh, uh, the, the chariot that they were on and they've found some water on the side of the road and Philip just baptizes the eunuch. Acts 8, 39, now when they come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. That word, those words caught Philip away is that word harpazo, caught away, harpazo. Now Acts 23, 10, now when there arose a great dissension, the commander fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, that is by the crowd, commanded that the soldiers go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the barracks. That word again, harpazo. Now we find it in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2 and 4. This is a really interesting passage which we'll look at more shortly. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 and 4. Firstly, verse 2. I know a man in Christ, this is Paul talking and he's talking about himself in the third person, who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, 
or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. That's harpazo, caught up to the third heaven. Verse 4, how he was caught up into paradise, that is heaven, and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Caught up, snatched away to the third heaven, to paradise, to heaven. couple more. Jude, uh, verse 23. There's only one chapter in Jude. Jude, verse 23. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. That's the end of verse 22. Now, verse 23. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiling by the flesh. Pulling them out of the fire. That, that word that is translated there to pull out from the fire to outside the fire is the word hapatso. And then in Revelation 12 verse 5, she bore a male child. She being Israel bore a male child, Jesus, the Messiah, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Now, sometimes people uh, refer that being Jesus or being, and or being uh, the body of Christ, the church. Regardless, there is a catching away of this person, most likely Jesus, into heaven, taking by force from one place to another. Hapazo, rapturo, rapture, means being carried away to seize or snatch away from one place to another to carry off by force. So we see when we read in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, hapazo, rapturo, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So when someone refers to the rapture, when I refer to the rapture, I'm speaking of the very biblical promise of Jesus that he's gone to be in the Father's house to prepare mansions or dwellings for us and he's promised to come back, to return to us, to receive us unto himself into the clouds, to meet him in the air and to take us back to the Father's house. And the way he receives us is by harpazo, rapturo. He seizes us or snatches us away by force in a twinkling of an eye, 1 Corinthians 15 says, from one place to another, from earth to the Father's house via the clouds, via the earth. So the word rapture is in fact in the Bible, albeit the Latin Bible. But this word rapture is simply terms and refers to the event of the snatching away that was first promised by Jesus and then confirmed later by Paul. So why is it that we find it so hard to believe that this event will take place in the future? Is it that far-fetched? I mean, we've read it in Scripture based on everything else that we read in scripture is this event that fanciful that far-fetched it's it's there the word rapture simply simply refers to the action of that event 
the snatching away, taking us from earth to heaven. Jesus promised it. Paul confirmed it. Interestingly, the truth is, it's not the only rapture that the Bible speaks of. There are, in fact, seven other raptures that the Bible refers to. Some are past and some are prophetic, predictive of, of a time in the future when they will take place. There's seven other raptures. So not only is the word rapture in Scripture, not only is the event prophesied, promised by Jesus, confirmed by Paul, prophesied of our future blessed and living hope. Not only is the word there, is the event promised and prophesied, but also we have biblical precedent. We have uh, other biblical raptures that, that have taken place and are prophesied to take place in the future. Let's go here. There's seven others. Genesis 5, verse 23 to 24. Do you remember Enoch? He was the father of Methuselah. Methuselah was the guy that lived, he was the oldest dude in the Bible. I think it was 969 years. And he died, Methuselah died, that's Enoch's son, died the year of the flood came. Genesis 5, 23 to 24, speaking of Enoch. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. He lived for 365 years. Literal years, I might add. This is not fancical. This is, he lived that old. They lived that old back then. Verse 24 of Genesis 5, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now these words in the Hebrew are not referring to death. God took him alive to be with him. Hebrews 11, chapter 5 uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6 affirm this very truth. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Enoch didn't die and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. How did he please God? Read on. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and that is exactly the same as the rapture of the church how do we please God now it is through faith in Christ how do we get raptured it's by being a part of the body of Christ how do we be a part of the body of Christ it is through faith in Christ Enoch was raptured because he had faith in God there's more to Enoch's story than that. Uh, and I believe that Enoch is a, is a beautiful picture and imagery of the rapture of the church. But Enoch was in fact raptured. Second one is Elijah. Remember, there's Elijah and there was his protege, protege Elisha. Now Elijah was raptured. He was taken up to heaven. He too didn't see death. I'm going to read to you the account in 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 for you. 2 Kings chapter 2, 1 through 5. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah. So the, the, it was known that the Lord was about to take up Elijah. Into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. 
Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha wasn't having any of that. Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel together. Now when they got there, the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So the prophets in Bethel knew before time, or the sons of the prophets, presumably through the prophets, knew before time that Elijah was going to be raptured. Incredible. What was Elisha's response? I love this. He said, yes, I know. Keep silent. He was not very happy about this situation. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, that is in Bethel, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho together. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha, and I bet he was sick of this by now, came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? What was Elisha's response? He answered, yes, I know, keep silent. Again, he, he knew it was coming, but he didn't want it. He didn't want to be told about it. It was coming. If you fast forward to verse 11 of 2 Kings chapter 2. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took hold of his clothes and tore them into two pieces. God raptured Elijah, that is, snatched him away in a chariot of fire and a whirlwind from earth to heaven. That's incredible. So there's Enoch, there's Elijah that have both been raptured in times past and the Bible has documented those events as fact, as truth. Third one is Jesus. Mark chapter 16, 19 says this, So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. This is talking about the ascension of Christ. Jesus was resurrected. 40 days later, he ascended. 10 days after that, uh, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. This ascension is what is being spoken of here. He was received into heaven. Acts chapter 1 verse 9 to 11 also speaks of this event. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Interesting, a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand up, stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus is going to come again in the same way. He was received up into the cloud. Where, are we, where, where is the church, the believers at the harpazo, at the rapture going to be received? Into the cloud. For what purpose? To meet the Lord in the air and to get our new eternal bodies. It's incredible. 
Luke 24, 51 speaks of this same event. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Jesus was raptured. He was snatched away by God and carried from earth to heaven. And then we get to Revelation 12, 5, which uses that actual word, harpazo. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God and his throne. This too is speaking of that event that is the ascension of Christ, the rapture of Christ. That's three. What about Philip? This is the fourth one. This happened also, but this one's a bit different. The Enoch, Elijah, and Jesus are all vertical raptures. And by that, I mean they're snatched away by force from earth to heaven, vertically. Philip, I call it a horizontal rapture. He was snatched away by force from one location with the eunuch to an entirely different location. Acts 8.39 Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. And shortly thereafter we see that Philip, I think, is in Caesarea um, and continues to preach in those places. So he's baptized and as he brings him out of the water, Philip gets snatched away. That's raptured from one location and he gets dumped in another location and he continues to preach in that place. Philip is raptured, he's teleported from one location to another. That's essentially what a rapture is. It is a snatching away from one location to another. Enoch, Elijah and Jesus all got snatched away up into heaven. Philip got snatched away from one location to another. Then we have the Apostle Paul, and we read these in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 to 4. Paul had this experience 14 years ago when he wrote this letter to the Corinthians. He had this experience of being snatched away into heaven and hearing inexpressible words. 2 2 Corinthians 12 verses 2 to 4. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, speaking of his, himself in the third person, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. That is God's abode, the Father's abode. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for man to utter. Paul, alive, was raptured into heaven, snatched away from earth to heaven, and then by his account, he was then deposited back on earth at some point. So however it took place, was he in a trance and did God just take his soul up into heaven? And then back down, did he take his whole body? We don't know. Paul didn't know. All he knows is he got raptured. He got snatched away from earth to heaven and he witnessed some things that took place there and then he was back again. Incredible. That seems pretty fanciful, but that took place. That's Paul's uh, account of something that genuinely happened to him. He got raptured into heaven. We then have a future, a prophetic uh, account of a rapture of the two witnesses 
in Revelation. Now, during the future tribulation period, the seven-year period of God's wrath upon the earth, where the Antichrist will rule on the earth alongside the false prophet and the, the beast will get involved, that is Satan. So you've got the, the unholy trinity, you've got Satan, the Antichrist and the false prophet. During that period of time where God's wrath will be poured upon the earth and um, uh, for the purpose of judging an unbelieving world and refining an unbelieving Israel, during that time, during the first three and a half years, God will raise up and protect two witnesses. Revelation 11 verses 3 through 12. Stick with me. And I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days. That is three and a half years. The first three and a half years clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Speaking about a, a vision uh, that John was given. Verse 5, And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. These guys are crazy. This is, this is this, I'm so glad I'm not going to be here for this, but it would be quite an incredible thing to witness. God is going to supernaturally protect them. And if anyone tries to harm them, fire is going to come out of their mouths and devour their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. These guys are going to be powerful when they finish their testimony that is at the end of the three and a half years the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them overcome them and kill them and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city which spiritually is called Sodom and uh, Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified then those from the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies. They will be dead. They will see their dead bodies three and a half days lying in the street and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth, the earth dwellers, will rejoice over them. You and I aren't going to be here for this. The earth dwellers will rejoice over them, make merry and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. This is not going to be us. It says everyone on the earth is going to, like all the earth dwellers on the earth will be doing that. Verse 11, Now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered in them, sorry, entered them, and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. God raised these two witnesses from the dead three and a half days after they died. Sound familiar? Verse 12, And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. Wow. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. Does that sound familiar also? A resurrection and an ascension. A come up here. A loud voice from heaven. Ascending to heaven in a cloud, receiving into a cloud to meet the Lord in the air. 
there's some biblical precedent for this. So this is a future, this two witnesses is a future event that will actually take place after the rapture of the church. But regardless of, of when, because uh, I'm sure many of us will not necessarily be on the same page of the timing of the rapture and we're, we're going to um, give you prayerfully more biblical evidence over the time that uh, I hope my prayer is that it will show you that it is imminent, can happen at any time and will in fact happen before the commencement of the seven year tribulation period, which is God's wrath and judgment upon an unbelieving world. But we'll, we'll get to that in the coming weeks. The seventh one is John. That is the Apostle John in Revelation. Now this happened in the past, but I believe this is uh, prophetic of a future event. That is the future rapture of the church. Revelation 4 verse 1 to 2. Keep in mind that Revelation 1 is the vision that J Jesus started giving to John. Revelation 2 and 3 is the letters to the churches. That is the, um, the encouragement and the rebuking of the seven churches at that time and churches across all times. Uh, that in itself is a big statement and when we get into Revelation we'll look at what that means. But at the start of Revelation 4, John's vantage point changes. He moves from being on earth into a different place. Let's listen to the language. Revelation 4, 1 to 2. After these things, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here. Sound familiar? And I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne sat, a set in heaven and one sat on the throne. So John was on earth getting visions and then within the spirit in the vision, John was raptured into heaven. This took place at the time that John was on the island of Patmos and he wrote this down. He wrote all the events down. I believe this is prophetic of or a type of the coming rapture of the church. The church is spoken of throughout Revelation 2 and 3, clearly articulating the church. The church doesn't get another mention until Revelation 19 when they're located in heaven. It's not entirely true. I actually think the church does get a mention and we're going to discuss that together uh, in the coming weeks when we look at the 24 elders. But the word church and the group church doesn't seem to get a mention from the time of Revelation 2 and 3 until the time of Revelation 19, which is all of the tribulation period. Regardless of that, uh, Revelation 4 seems to be uh, a spiritual rapture, if you will, of the Apostle John at the time of his vision of the Revelation. So when we get to the future rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, harpazo, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be in the with the Lord. Why is it that we think it's a fanciful event? Why is it that so many people think that it's not a real doctrine or that it's not a real event that's going to take place? It's just spiritual or it's, I, I don't know. Or that we get the timing all out of whack. Why is it that we get 
this so wrong when we can see from Scripture that clearly the word rapture is absolutely in the Bible. The word rapture is there. The event is there. The, our blessed and living hope is there. Jesus promised it. Paul affirmed it. The word rapture simply refers to that event that Jesus promised and Paul affirmed. The snatching away of the believer from earth into heaven. And we also have the biblical precedent of many other raptures that have taken place. Enoch, Elijah, Jesus, Paul, uh, the Apostle John. I've missed a couple. But we have all of those precedents. Philip, still missed one. Doesn't matter. The point is that there is biblical precedent for an event such as this to take place. See, the rapture of the church is absolutely an event that will literally take place in the future and it is our blessed and living hope. And we should be pressing towards that prize. We should be eagerly awaiting the time that Jesus will return and receive us unto himself. My question is, are you? Are you pressing towards that prize? Are you eagerly waiting for his return? Is that your blessed and living hope? Thank you for joining us again for another Prophecy Times podcast. Next week, I'm loving where we're going with this. Next week, we're going to continue this journey together. We're going to look at the wrath of God. I know that sounds heavy, but we're going to look at the wrath of God in this period of time called the tribulation and where you and I, that is the believer, will be at the time of the commencement of this period. During the wrath of God, while the wrath of God is being poured out, where are you and I destined to be? Thanks so much for joining us. Looking forward to seeing you next week, Wednesday, 5 p.m. Much love.